Death Watch. Okay, welcome back. We are playing Dungeons and Dragons version 3.5. I'm Brandon, Dungeon Master today, and we're playing Cradle of the World campaign. So we'll start with uh, Chris to do our player introductions. <laughs> Talk about what Hi. our characters are oh, doing. Sorry. Hi, I'm Chris. I'm playing Casimir. Uh, what is it? I'm, I think I'm, Casimir's worried about Rohan right now. He, he's not back yet. And, uh, it's getting, was it midday now? Afternoon? I don't know. I'm done. Yeah, that's you, you and, um, Fenrith had, uh, or I mean, Graham brought that shipwrecked stranger back to your home mm -hmm. to, uh, give him some rest and some food and to shut the doors on the giant barn. Nah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm Travis. I'm playing Graham, the rogue, the hero of the sea, and I would say I'm still a little suspicious of this shipwrecked human. I'm thinking of the gargoyle friend I made that turned on me all that time ago. Can he really be trusted? I don't think so. <laughs> Justin? I'm Justin. I'm playing Rohan, the hero of the sky. Uh, currently, I am frantically trying to bring all of the citizens of the island of Cradle back to the main town so that we can shelter from this magical hurricane that's on its way. And I'm John, I'm playing Fenris, Hero of the Flame, and I am trying to fortify the temple, Coralon Lorathian, sorry I can't speak Lord today, <laughs> yeah one of those, um, in order to help shelter all of the citizens of Cradle. All right, so just a short refresher. Graham and Casimir found some uh, stranger skulking about the village, and they confronted him and captured him in Casimir's net and found out that he is a man named Mudsway, and he is a human, and he's shipwrecked here. He said that his ship was dashed to pieces against the cliffs to the west and that he barely survived and none of his companions on the ship survived that he's aware of and so they brought him back to the home of the heroes to give him some rest and some food as he was right on the edge of collapsing and then um, Fenrith is at the temple grounds and he is consecrating certain images to Coralon and whilst doing this, the, an apparition appeared and begins trying to talk him out of it and tempt him away from it, promising that he'll fail and that if he joins with this dark figure, uh, he'll have the ultimate peace, which according to the images that he projects to Fenrith, that seems to be the complete absence of all existence. Uh, but so far, he's managed to uh, continue his work without falling sway to this figure's words. And then Rohan uh, went out to the farmlands in the newly appeared forest to gather up all the people that don't live in town to get them to come to town to shelter on the temple grounds and join in a prayer to Coralon to hopefully save them from this magical storm that approaches. And as he was going about that, he happened upon a unicorn and the unicorn agreed that she would take him to the outlying peoples 
if he would convince them after it was all over, should there be any survivor, to only cut down the trees that she marks. And he promised that he would do, he would use his influence uh, in that regard. And so he hopped up on her back and in a blink, she brought him to a large farm where uh, a few families live close to each other and it cleared away a great deal of trees in order to reclaim their farmland. So that's where he is. And that's where we'll start, Rohan. So you're on the outskirts of this and you can see the homes that have been built and all the work that's being done. And you're you're on the edge where uh, the trees have been removed and the fields have been flattened. And you can see to the wet or the east um, where they've piled up all the boulders that they've pulled out of the ground. And then there's tree stumps here and there still, but um, people are working on removing those as well. And there is some evidence that uh, some of the land has um, been prepared for farming. It's got rows and things of that sort. So off um, by the houses, you can see a lot of activity. There's, you know, kids running around doing chores, firewoods being chopped, boards are being sawed, homes are being built. But there you are on the outskirts. And she um, she stays back in the trees and says, I'll be here when you when you're ready to move on. All right. So, yeah, I'll kind of go trotting through the fields in clear view, uh, calling out to the people working that, that we have an announcement that needs to be made um, in the name of the heroes of Cradle and try and gather them all towards the house. Okay. Yeah, so you move off that direction and you start shouting out and people immediately take notice of you. And you can see a lot of the people working out in the field stop and they watch you for a bit. Um, but eventually they... You know, they confer with each other and they look confused, but eventually they stop what they're doing and they all start to gather around this central um, house. There's like three houses that are complete and the one in the middle is the biggest and about a hundred feet from it uh, is the well that they've dug and that seems to be where you'll meet them and you meet up and there's, you know, wagon nearby and you can hop up and say, what you have to say. Um, so you recognize as you look across all the faces there, there's about 30 people if you're counting children. Um, you recognize almost half of them, but the other half uh, you you notice are not people that were here before. But, uh, you know, there's an interesting thing that happens as people are gathered around and you hop up there to start talking and some of the newcomers, especially the younger ones, they start to, you know, hey, who, who's this? But the, the ones that have been here um, since the beginning quickly shush them and, uh, you know, indicate that they should pay attention to you. So now, right. as you explain to them what you're explaining, you can see that um, it's getting it's darker than it ought to be because, you know, clouds are starting to cover the, the sun a little bit. So you can't, from where you are, because of the hills, you can't see that that storm line that you had seen before. But you can see what's being pushed ahead of it. So it's a it's breezier than normal, and you can smell that it'll start raining soon. Although it does smell odd, but um, so yeah, you explain this to them, and understandably, there's some of the newer ones have a lot of questions. If there's a storm coming, what 
should we just leave our homes? We need to make preparations. We need to, you know, close the shutters and batten down the hatches and get the animals inside. I'll uh, show some of the wounds that I still have because I'm I'm still three quarters dead. Um, and say that the heroes have flown our rocks through this magic storm, and we know it's destructive power, and that the only hope is um, a magic buffer that we can try and set up in the town that they're preparing for the people, that homes and buildings can be rebuilt, that plants can be re-sown, and, but that human lives lost will never come back, or elven lives lost, I guess. All right, so, um, you know, it didn't take much convincing for the, you know, the, the native population. So they're already turning to start gathering their stuff, and you can see them moving towards wagons to get them hitched up, and, you know, they're having their kids run off to collect things. And some of the newer ones do that just out, uh, you know, just following the example. But, but one of them does stand up, and this is a, um, a young man by, as, you know, by your estimate, probably in his 20s. And he's a strapping, well-built fellow, uh, bigger than most elves. And uh, so he raises his hand and he says, we don't much believe in magic and never have. So I think we'll stay here and hunker down and try to get our homes ready for the storm. All right. Make your preparations as best you can. I'm afraid I don't believe that they will avail you much. And my hero, my duty as hero of Cradle is not to force men to do what they don't want to do, but rather to do whatever I can to help your safety. I wish you the best, but I must move on. There are more people to warn. Um, all right. So, yeah, you can see that you've, like, you know, he looked, he sounded confident at first, but now, now he's not so confident. And what you guess to be his wife is talking in his ear, but um, just about everybody else is getting things ready and uh when you are satisfied that they've all heard you and are going about their business and you go to turn back towards where the unicorn was another man shouts out to you um and he says hero i've just remembered the uh hang on one second well he says the old woman and he says um a woman's name but since I forgot to write it down, it's going to take me a second to <laughs> find it. Um, oh, um, Lazary, he says, the, the old woman, Lazary, she she lives about a mile away. Someone will need to tell her. Do you want me to do it? Uh, are there any other settlements that I need to reach? I've been trying to find where the militia's been training as well, and I have yet to find them either. Uh, well, we know that there's some people... Um, north of us following along these hills let's say half a day's ride half i'm not sure how many are up there now though yeah, half a day they probably wouldn't be able to make it back or to town they they, they they don't really ride they, half a day's walk is what what he, what he says okay um is the old woman in that direction no she's in the hills just uh, outside the entrance to the swamps We've tried to get her to move closer to us, but she's a little little different. Some say the swamp fears her and not the other way around. Mm. Uh, yes, I'll try and stop by and gather her as well uh, on my way further north to the other settlement. But please, 
when you when you leave, travel through the night. Don't don't waste. You can see the storm clouds gathering now, and there's no time that can be spared. We'll leave at once, Hero. Thank you. Right. And I'll run back out and try and find the uh, unicorn again. All right, so she's right where you left her. And she says, were you able to convince them? Uh, perhaps not all of them, but enough to make a difference. They mentioned right, an, an old lady that lives on the edge of the swamp. Do you happen to know her or of her? All right, so do, um, let's see here. Yeah, roll your, uh, your uh, sense, sense motive. Okay, toss that in the tower. Okay, uh, so you say that uh, an old lady and, um, you know, you haven't done a lot of talking with unicorns, um, so you're not 100% certain on their mannerisms, you know, if they differ from horses, which, you know, clearly it's a different animal. But yeah. it seems to you like she's uncomfortable at the mention of an old lady. But she says, yes, I know of of the old woman they speak of. I can take you to close to her home. All right. Very, uh, I appreciate your assistance in this matter. Let's let's depart immediately, if you don't mind. Of course. We must hurry, shouldn't we? And yes. so she's sort of like bends, you know, bends down her front legs up to make it easier for you to get on her back because she can tell that you're wounded. So, yeah, I'll, I'll hop up on her back and and prepare to take off. All right. So, um Fenrir, or I mean, Casimir and Graham, you guys have uh, got Mudsway in there, and Folwyn is preparing him some food, and you've secured the hangar where your rocks can uh, shelter from the storm. What would you like to do now? Well, I'll look to Casimir, see if we have any duties. If not, then I, I think I'll go feed some coins into the Nomic, Nomic Transmogrification Unit. Actually, that's a good idea. <laughs> yeah, All let's right. go feed the the gnomish uh, thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, what should we try first, Casimir? I, <laughs> I got. Uh, well, I'm go. I'm going to take it. You don't want to put the wand in. So, how's about your ring? Oh yeah, that's a good one. So yeah, I'll try to uh, recharge the ring of ram. Which coin should we start with? I got uh, silver ones, copper ones. Ooh, that's a good idea intelligence or appraise to figure out which coins to feed <laughs> huh uh i'll say gold <laughs> or platinum <laughs> all right I'll well do any of you do either of you speak or read gnome no i don't think so do any of you uh, i mean do they have what what is their language called don't they generally just speak dwarven I thought so, because I live with them a lot, right? Yeah, they generally just speak Dwarven. I don't have Dwarvish. Nomadic. <laughs> huh. uh, yeah, I don't have Dwarven either, so it's just going to be... But I do way. have their other language, which is Infernal. <laughs> <laughs> Little bastards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'll take five gold coins and uh, put that into the slot. All right, so... And then what? What did you... The ring what of are ram. you trying to recharge? The ring of ram. All right. I guess I had it. A... Okay. Yeah. So there is a like a, it's it's almost like a tray, almost like a plate, um, where you can place the item, and then slots like that you can put coins in, and uh, 
So you place that ring of ram on there and you put in five gold coins? Yes. And uh, then it starts, uh, at first nothing happens, but then um, some of the sections of, of the base of it start lighting up and they make these odd colored runes that start flashing. And uh, then it starts to shake. Uh, it's going to blow. Like wildly. Nah. So that the rings bounce in on that tray. It's a miracle uh, that it doesn't, you know, pop out of there and fall onto the floor. But it, man, it, it doesn't. It stays there. So um, let me do. Now in my notes, I have 47 charges, but that doesn't seem right. Did I refill it at some point in the past? I think it's probably 47 of 50 or whatever. <laughs> that I've used? Yeah. Yeah, because, like, I know my wand counts up. Okay. Yeah, and I think that we did recharge slightly at some point. It wasn't yeah. a whole lot. Yeah, there was those crystals you guys found. I only remember having a few charges in it, though. So I guess I'll think that I have three charges in it. All right, so, yeah, and it starts to shake wildly, and some steam starts to come out um, <laughs> from parts of it that you don't understand. It doesn't seem like there's places for steam to come out, but it does. And it starts shaking, and these runes start flashing um and it seems like almost a sequence that you can determine but then it uh just as suddenly as it started it stops and and it's still and um you can see this little flash of uh green light on your ring of ram there one second and gone the next how do we know it works casimir can you uh see how many charges mm. are on it with magic that's a good question I guess, what would there be? Would there like an analyze, what do they call it? Like Dweemer or whatever? Dwimmer? I don't have that. How do we know how much charges our stuff has, Brandon? Probably identify. <laughs> I'm eating a whole dang pearl to figure out if you're... <laughs> I did prepare Just seven. Just use it. Identify definitely does that. Let's see if yeah, can... identify, I think, is the way you do it in um, in this edition. All right. Uh, one second. Let me make sure, though. Yeah, so I'll uh, give a long exhale, kind of sigh, and begin uh, <laughs> spooning out enough pearl powder. <laughs> or maybe the somewhere on the machine it has a number on it. Did you see anything change? I go. mean, besides all the shaking and smoking? I was, uh, well, I guess for lack of a better word, Graham, I was hiding once <laughs> that started. That's a smart move, Casimir. <laughs> Uh, and, uh, yeah, so I, I think identify is the way to do it. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'll, uh, how do I do this here? I just, is there no, oh, there we go. Okay. Yeah. So I cast identify, drink a hundred gold pieces worth of pearl and, uh, all right, so you Check cast that spell um, and over this ring and determine that it has now it has um, eight charges. All right, so it's not full. But I can right. use it more now. It does seem to be so, Graham. All right. What you um, try next? So, but also when you go to pick that ring up, um, you hear this odd sound and a little slip of paper. Um, <laughs> comes out of the front of this thing <laughs> it's about two inches wide is that a three bill? inches long for, for yeah, what's a receipt <laughs> <laughs> okay I'll uh, is it in 
dwarvish or gnomish or something? No, this, um, when you look at it, uh, it's in Elven. Oh, nice. But uh, the weird thing about it is that uh, it has this odd effect that you can't quite wrap your head around. It, it seems to be that it's written in all the languages you understand. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> and uh, oh man, uh, you look at that and it uh, and on you know in simple but you know precise writing on there it says a black lake sits in an immense cavern. The lake is water but water that has been changed. It doesn't merely look black. It is black. What is this, a riddle? I have no idea. <laughs> the fa- It must be important in some fashion, given that... Uh, and then, um, so hmm. you, you look on the back of it, and uh, it's got in smaller writing near the top. Um, you see something that says, uh, Gulivar's Prophecies. LLC. Hmm. Okay. Uh, but it must sure be important that given that it seems to be magically written. Uh, I'm, I can read this in several languages. Hmm. I guess I can too. Well, uh, I'll hold on to it for now. Um, but the, the object seems to have done what we wanted it to. It recharged, though not fully. So perhaps more coins will feed or be uh, transmogrified into energy for the the ring. Well, let's try uh, the healing rod. Do you really want to, Graham? Yes, that one's... Well, I'm a cleric, after all. <laughs> I only have 12 of 50 on that one. Getting pretty low, because I do so much healing. <laughs> so I'll switch items, but I'm going to go a little crazy with the gold this time and i'm going to put in 100 gold pieces okay and what item are you putting on there the obsidian wand it's the uh, the wand or the rod of what do you call it cure critical wounds okay probably gonna melt it <laughs> bad news fenris i can't be the cleric mm. anymore <laughs> oh no <laughs> whatever will we do <laughs> Yes, Grandma, I have to go back to being a thief instead. All right, of so you put healer. you put that on there, and you put in a hundred gold coins. Yeah. All right, so the slot for this is you know one coin at a time. So this takes a good <laughs> amount, and then um, once you finally get that one hundredth coin in there, uh, about ten seconds passes of nothing, and then it starts to shake again. And roll a uh, percentile dice, and not in the tower. All right, so it starts shaking wildly, and steam starts coming out of it, and you hear this um, beeping sound start coming from it, too, that sounds somehow insistent and uh, panicked, but then Uh um, (laughs) a few seconds of this go by, and then it goes still, and you see this flare of green light travel along the length of that wand that you put on there, and then um, that light arcs off of there, and hits your chest, and you can feel this odd uh, sensation of uh, traveling over your entire body. That it's like the the feeling of when your arms go or your legs go to sleep, but it lasts for only a second and uh, doesn't seem to do any harm to you. Well, that was are you weird. all right? I think so. <laughs> kind of feels like my legs are asleep. Well, it did. So. 
you ask him, are you all right? And he answers like he just did, except for he's screaming it at the top of his lungs. <laughs> and uh, Graham, you, you, you realize you're screaming at the top of your lungs, but there seems to be nothing you can do about it. I'm sorry oh, sh- about this, Casimir. He screams at the top of his lung. <laughs> Just yeah, it's stop like, talking. Okay. Like he's screaming loud enough that you're you're sure he's going to damage his own vocal cords, right? Perhaps the effect will pass in time, Graham. Just for now, be quiet. Okay. How Fol- long do you think? Yeah. So full when he uh, opens the door and sticks his head in, and he looks at you both. Is it, is everything okay, sirs? Everything is fine, Falwyn. Uh, see to our guest. <laughs> yes, of course. I just thought I heard shouting. Nope. Yes. Nope. <laughs> uh, well, I'll leave you to it. And so he <laughs> he leaves. Um, but yeah, that's what's happening so far. Uh, I don't know. Uh, what would uh, I, what would I do to perhaps get a time frame? Um. Well, I I. I don't think there's anything you can do. Um, I guess, you know, that, that ray hit him, so you could you could do, what can you do, spellcraft when a spell is cast to see if you can determine what that is, but don't does that work if there's not a person casting it? Uh, well, there's like a couple different things that it can do. Like if it hit me, I could try to determine it once I make a save. Well, couldn't you determine it as it's being cast still because i mean it still had to trigger at some point well no it no it's not speaking so there's like nothing to pick out there right well i mean make the dc a bit more difficult you have the uh this visual of the spell itself plus the effect okay so 20 plus spell level will allow me to identify a spell that's already in place and in effect um i must be able to see or detect the effects of the spell i mean it's making graham shout um, well, that and might be one. Her limbs all numb. I think it's getting better. <laughs> it's it not isn't. getting better. Or the thirty or higher would be to understand a strange or unique magical effect. Yeah, that's what you're gonna have to hit. Okay. You want it in the uh, tower? No, I'll just go ahead and roll it. Ah, uh, nope. <laughs> so right, only so... time will tell, Graham. <laughs> Okay, it's not so bad. <laughs> it's pretty bad. Yeah. I fear that you might hurt yourself if you continue to speak, Graham. Uh, sign language works. Yeah, we'll see if you can fact, yell in that. It does hurt. Like, it's hurting your throat anytime you speak. Okay, I'll, I'll switch over to uh, the heroic sign language then. Is he throwing punches? He is. He's he's when he starts speaking in this sign language, he's very, he's doing it like you would shout if you're doing sign language. Like everything is very sharp and and very, you know, exaggerated all the movements. And it's like <laughs> it's to the tired. point where you yeah, you're putting so much energy into it that it, it you you're getting short of breath and it even straining makes, muscles. Okay. Yeah, it even hurts your wrists a little bit from <laughs> chopping it well, here the way you are so that's at least quieter graham and we will now be able to know when you have been cured of this affliction because you'll stop acting like this <laughs> uh, but perhaps we should let the gnomish device rest for now 
I'll sign that. I think he's right. Uh, I'll kind of take a couple like, <laughs> like when when your friend swings at you, <laughs> not like trying to hit you, but you are still kind of you know take that kind of lean back. Mm-hmm. I'll kind of be doing that when he's signing at me. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right, but the, but you know that wand's still sitting on there, so yeah, I'll retrieve oh. it and uh, <laughs> shout sign. Casimir, uh, has this one gotten more? I'll uh, give it a try, I guess. That's 200 gold worth of pearls right there, Graham. Uh, thought you should know. <laughs> I'll give Casimir 200 gold. <laughs> do a, Not that. Graham, do a reflex save. Sure. Do I get my trap bonus to it? No. Okay. Uh, mm, 16. All right, so when you grab that wand and you sign to Casimir to look at it, you're signing so hard that you fling it right out of your hand. And, um, but luckily right in front of you and you're able to stick your foot out and cushion it so it doesn't shatter on the, on the floor. But, but yeah, you do drop it. I think if I was also giving him gold, I was doing a gold toss at him. <laughs> 200 damage. I'm joking about the gold. <laughs> I, I still don't quite know if we actually have a concept of right. value and currency. Well, that's why. All right, here goes. What's its, uh, oh. Didn't want to roll. Okay, we'll go here and do it. Uh, there we go. Did I get it? No. Oh, five. failure. Ridiculous. All right, let's try it again. Uh, dude, you are rolling. You son a of a... Dude, a five and a three percent. Jesus. That's on. I'm going to say that's impressive. It is, if we're playing Call of Cthulhu. All right, there we go. Okay, so uh, yeah, you cast identify on the um, the wand, and you can tell that it has fifty charges. Hmm. It's all full. I'll uh, wait for any to make sure Graham is either done replying or isn't going to reply before handing it back. <laughs> and I'm also going to watch out when he offers his hand out to take it. He might freaking try to drive his damn hand through my chest or something. I will sign something as he's handing it back. <laughs> That's great. That's totally full is what I'll be signing. Unarmed damage. <laughs> I don't think he overcame my AC. Probably not. <laughs> something weird is happening here. We're doing wisdom checks. Well, look at them. They're super low, mm-hmm. all fives. Yeah, everything's <laughs> a five, apparently. Oh, right. So you did identify on that so you identify um actually that it has 50 charges and five charges 50 and five. so basically all you're able to gather is that it has 50 but five of those i mean obviously you can't tell which there's something different about them but Hmm. you're not able to determine i mean from all your from looking at it it seems to you like they hold the same form as all the rest, but there is something off about them. I should warn you, Graham, that the gnomish device has altered the wand in some fashion. I'll just take a couple steps back before he asks <laughs> any further questions. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I wonder what, how I used the uh, the weird charges. Yeah, I don't know how. Should I test so it now? There are five of them. I'll ask Kevin. So that. Uh... That starts out in a scream, 
Um, <laughs> but by the time you get to the last couple of words, you're back to speaking normally. Oh, I'm better. If you test it out, test it out far away from any, where, where it would be a danger to anyone. Okay. Well, I guess I'll wait then. Okay. <laughs> but uh, I think that we should cease using this device for now. Maybe it needs to rest. Uh, I agree, but in my head, I know I'll be out here late at night. Uh, so once again, the slip of paper uh, comes out of this device. Oh. Okay, yeah, I'll snatch it up and read it. All right, so this one says, In the middle of a small, dark granite room, with a trapped stone door, stands a four-foot-high pedestal of the same stone. Standing on this pedestal is a golden skull, reputedly an artifact of great power and great danger. Simply taking the skull from the pedestal results in the room being sealed against exit and the skeletal remains of those who have tried to steal the golden skull before litter the room. And then on the back it says, Gulivar's Prophecy, LLC. Another prophecy? I w hmm. They must have been quite great wizards and priests back in whatever forgotten lands this all came from to just be able to dole out prophecies as such. I, I guess so, but they seem to have a uh, an interesting grasp on magic, given what has happened with their machines, so perhaps we can't take it at face value. <laughs> but we'll keep them just in case. Yeah. Yes, of course. So what's next, Casimir? <laughs> We're waiting for this storm. Uh, after our guest is fed, perhaps we should head over to the temple, introduce him to Fenrith, and uh, acclimate him to the the rest of the group, uh, town, so as not to cause panic. All right, sounds like a plan. <laughs> okay, so Fenrith, um, you're standing in front of a tree, and you're deep in prayer, and uh, you've been at this for quite a while now. Um, let me, actually, I'll just show you a little map here. So, um, there you are on that map I've shared with you. And, you know, you've got the, this is the temple grounds and there's this vaguely, or this pretty circular area around it that's surrounded by trees of every different sort. Right now you're in front of a oak tree that has this sigil carved on it and you're you're doing your prayers and that figure still stands looming above you uh whispering and chuckling from time to time um so let's have you do um a fortitude save all right so this represents that you know you've been up quite a while you're wounded tired hungry and uh it's taken a lot of energy to do this because as you're praying over these you get the sense that there's almost a, a technique to whether your prayers are going to work. Um, like you can tell there's a certain feeling you get when you're actually putting your heart into it and acting out of faith versus when you're just repeating words in your head. It's like you're taking or it's like you're giving your own energy to this. Um, but you still stand strong. Um, you can you can feel in the back of your mind the hunger pangs and the 
you know, the wounds that you've suffered and the fatigue, but uh, you soldier on and you continue this, um, this prayer and that figure still looming above you, still whispering, you're able to push it from your mind for the most part. But then with renewed force, he uh, interjects on your thoughts again. And he uh, says, let me show you what waits. And then you get this uh, flash in your vision and you see this uh, uh, temple grounds that you're on. And in this ring um, of trees right on the edge of it, you you can see a, a, a shield that, um, you know, it's it's translucent, but you can tell it's there like it were made of glass. And you can see you and your companions and all the villagers inside that uh, and all of the villagers being led by Ithlani in a, you know, a dance of worship of Coralon. And this storm rages outside and uh, black and purple lightning bolts slam at this uh, shield repeatedly. And there's dark creatures moving out just outside uh, made of shadow or uh, maybe just in areas too dark for you to determine what they are but their intent is unmistakable and they all all around they push to break through this this shield that's um, that's blocking them and protecting you from the storm and so when you uh, turn your gaze to the temple you can see that's where this shield is emanating from the the sigil of Coralon on the front of it is a blazing white light and that light is creating this uh this force field that's protecting everybody but on the edges where these dark creatures of different shapes uh, press against it some of them start to come through and uh it's one or two at first but then more and more and you and your companions valiantly fight to defend the people but you're not enough and then these dark creatures of shadow and uh, ooze, teeth and claws roll over the villagers who are helpless against them and they're torn limb from limb, man, woman and child. So that image flashes through your mind. And uh, then you're, you know, back in front of that tree praying over it, but you'll need to make a will save. Um, what would it do if I use a hero point a hero point to what with like to to help increase my will save bonus would that give me a bonus can i use one like that um or maybe let me re-roll if i fail because i want to issue the intent now so that okay so yeah i'll i'll use the hero point do i use it now or if i fail hang on one second all right, sorry about that. Um, yeah, traditionally they're used to re-roll a failed roll. Okay. Uh, but it's not necessary in this case. So you know, once again, you go deep inside yourself and you focus on maintaining uh, your task and forcing the voice out, and and you manage to do that. And so you you continue to pray over this sigil, but. Uh, but there is left behind a, a nagging thought that he's not taunting you with that vision. That, you know, that that might actually be what's going to happen when the storm rolls in. 
So my my thought here is I he wouldn't be trying to tempt me to come over if if he didn't know that it was a possibility that I could succeed. Right. So that that's uh what's going to be driving that um that desire to, or the will to continue on there. Okay. All right, so um, you keep on about that and you can hear uh, the work continuing behind you at the temple and people have started to arrive and they're starting to, you know, get set up. And a lot of them are resolutely determined to treat this exactly like a celebration festival, no matter how frightened they might be. So, you know, they're getting, you know, food brought in and, and tables set up and things like that. But uh, so you continue on. And uh, that will bring us to Rohan. So you hop on this unicorn's back, and just as before, she she lurches forward, and the the world seems to you know blur. And then you find yourself um, in this clearing or this section where uh, the trees don't grow. It's too close to the swamp, so the ones on the edge are kind of stunted, and you know they're. They're not in the okay. best health from the effects of the swamp soil, but you, uh, you're looking out over, you've got some hills and, you know, just on the other side of those is the swamp. And there's a few places along the hills that you remember from your exploration in your younger days. Well, uh, there's a few places that you can have easy access into the swamp, a few breaks in the hills where you can go and you're at one of those. Okay. And uh, to your surprise, um, you're actually south, not north, of the people you were just talking to. And oh, okay. uh, the the uh, this section here, this path, um, is not very far at all from the haunted mine. There's a path through these hills, and you can see, you know, flat ground all the way up to the hills, and uh, and then set into one of those hills is like a a, a home you know, sort of like a hobbit hole it's like built underground but there's a door and um, even a porch and there's a a, a window even well, that rohan's envious it seems like a perfect mm -hmm. home um but yeah i'll, I'll kind of jog trot my way up to the to the doorway calling out for um what was the name that, was, that they gave me it was a uh, Lazary. Lazary, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, calling out for Lazary as I approach the building or the home set in the hill. Okay. So um, you call out to that, and as you get to about, you know, 25 feet away from the, the porch there, the door opens and a, a woman steps out, and she's at the very furthest limits of old age that your imagination can conceive. Um, I mean, her, her face is, it, it seems to be just one wrinkle. Um, but, uh, and she's stooped and she's got a walking stick and unmistakably Elvin, but you know, the effects that have de-aged everybody else don't seem to have done the same for this woman. So she's about, you know, under four feet tall and she's, hunched over and she walks with the aid of this stick and she looks up at you and just that 
angle that she's forced to look, there's no way to look anything but sinister, you know. And she even play, she's even got like you know uh, blemishes that elves normally don't, like bushy eyebrows and a wart on her skin, and her chin seems bigger than it ought to. Um, but she she's she walks to the edge of her porch and she looks up at you, and she says, "Hail." Hero, I've been waiting for you. Well, so do um, uh, well, just let's make a wisdom check. Okay, wisdom. All right, so you're looking at her, and she steps forward. She says, "Hail, hero of the sky! I've been waiting for you." And right then and there, suddenly, you remember that you've heard of this woman before. Everybody had, like, it was one of the the myths of the village all the kids heard about the uh the crone from the swamp and everybody knew she didn't really exist um and depending on which parent was telling the story she would either do terrible things to the disobedient children or she would be the sweetest and she would help anybody in need and it just depended on the person what what they believed but nobody had ever seen her and Everybody just sort of knew she's just a myth that people made up, but it's part of our tradition, so we keep talking about her. But here she is in the flesh in front of you. So the stories you've heard were that um, whoever she was, that everybody agreed that she had frightening mystical powers of one sort or another. She could. Some said she could read the future, and others said she was able to curse people, and others said she could lift curses and most agreed that she could turn people into unnatural creatures if she wanted to things like okay. that but so, here she is so some of those legends about lifting curses will immediately uh perk my mind about our rocks and and how they're under they seem to be under some sort of a a curse but i'll i'll show her you know as much respect as i can and i'll i'll say uh Laz, Lazary, uh elder woman of the swamp who and mystic if you know that i'm i was coming then you know why i'm here and that we may need your help to save the island of cradle and the people of cradle from this coming storm i beg you to come to cradle and and assist us in in protecting the people so she raises her hand and sort of you know makes a impatient motion. She's like, yes, yes, I know all of that. I know. And uh, I will come to the village with you. But please, I'm an old woman. I need help. I can't leave without my things. They're very important, you see. And so you can, she motions on her porch there. She's got like a, a giant pack you know, that would be more appropriate for an adult male that's healthy enough to walk, not a possibly old woman. And then there's uh, um, some pouches, various pouches on a belt, and even a set of saddlebags. She's like, please, I'll, I'll get on, and then you'll have to strap this stuff to me. And uh, to your surprise, she steps down off the porch, and like she mounts this broom, and then starts, and then she's just floating there above the ground on this broom. And she looks unsteady, so she's got her tongue you know, between her teeth as she's trying to focus and she 
sways from side to side and it seems almost like she's just going to pitch over but eventually she writes herself and she arranges her um, dingy gray robes and uh, it looks satisfied with herself and then she motions again impatiently for you to help her with her thing okay yeah I'll, I'll help her um, get all of her stuff up on on the broom with her all right so you go uh, start gathering that stuff and then make a uh, spot in the tower for me a spot and a listen all right there's the spot and the listen all right um so you're gathering the stuff and you're hooking it onto this broom and you're trying to distribute the weight properly and she's you know she's being generally polite she's like good job with that oh to be a strong lad uh strong back and worthy of a hero and uh don't think that i don't know what you're hoping for and we'll see some things are possible and some things are not and uh, you don't know what she means by that but as you're getting her stuff situated you can just see off the edge of her porch that path that snakes along you know it's pretty straight but it's got a turn here and there but you can see into the swamp from there and it looks just like it looks in movies where you know you've got the bright happy world of green grass along this and then suddenly there's darkness and shadow and um stunted evil looking trees and vines and you can feel the the heat baking off of that area and you can smell the stagnant water and rotten fish and who knows what else but as you glance back through there for one moment you think you see some something that looks like a obelisk but it moves behind the trees and it's got this odd swaying motion to it uh, but when you look again there's nothing there okay well with all the other strange stuff that i've dealt with today you know mystical unicorns that were legends popping up and homes being in the tops of trees and everything that that's just kind of par for the course so far <laughs> so yeah. I'll, I'll kind of mentally note that and then um, ask her if there's anything else that she needs of me before she sets off. That I have more villagers uh, that I must try and save. Uh, she says, no, that should be all. But where is that darn cat? And uh, she starts looking around and making, you know, some noises. Calling for um, her cat. Uh, and then yeah, I'll, she I'll does start that for a couple minutes. House to yeah, so see if I can find it. Yeah, but you don't, like, as soon as you turn to go, like, on the porch, you can see the cat come shuffling out. Okay. As, you know, as if it finally deemed you all worthy of its attention, the way cats do. And uh, this is odd, because this is only the second cat you've ever seen. But yeah, this it, one is different than Omen for certain. It's uh, okay. much, it's like this dirty gray and black color, and it's got sections of fur missing and uh to it it looks to you like it's got nubs on its belly where there used to be or were gonna be more legs um but it comes ambling out uh half of its you know its tail is only halfway there it's missing half of its tail uh, but it has good teeth and it gives you it looks at you with the utter disdain that cats can give um and then trots past you and hops up on Lazarie's lap so she starts getting it situated and she's like you must hurry the storm will be here soon i'll meet you in the village 
Thank Do you, you think your your brothers will give me some quarters to stay in? We'll see. And then she cackles and <laughs> jets off into the sky. Um, so, like, there's this odd green light emanating from the broom as she, you know, takes off like a rocket into the sky. And it looks insane because she's, like, not well balanced on there. And she's constantly swaying left and right. And she's doing this cackle that, you know, only old women can do that pierces your soul and makes you certain that true evil exists <laughs> but you don't get that feeling in game so you know you're just like oh she's a little out there and she goes jetting off into the sky she's a kindred spirit to rohan um but yeah i'll i'll head back to the to the unicorn and try to set off towards what i'm hoping is the last settlement that was far to the north uh okay yeah, so the unicorn is there um, waiting for you. And she says, did you find the old woman? Yes, you don't need to answer. I can smell her on you. She was expecting me. Yes. Yes, no doubt. Well, in order to survive this storm, I'm afraid we need all the assistance that we can muster. All and right. just as I appreciate yours, I, I will appreciate hers as well. Well, are you ready to move on? I am. Thank you. All right, so she once again lets you get on, and then uh, she takes off, and the world blurs again. Okay. Um, sure, something real quick. Um, all right, so yeah, the world blurs, and then um, you find yourself once again on the outskirts of the forest, like along the tree line, looking over a field that's been cleared and uh, you know being made ready for agriculture. And uh, there's one house here, but it's a big one, like not opulent, not, you know, not rich, but large as if a lot of people have got to live there. So you've got this one's built in sort of a longhouse style and uh, you don't see any activity around okay. the place. <clears throat> like the, the it's dark enough now that people would start to have lanterns going. There's no light coming from the windows. Um, there, you, you can tell, you know, there's a barn and then there's the home and you can even tell just by the looks of it, what, where, where the family would live and then where the worker quarters would be, even though it's all the same building, you can see there's definitely a separation and there's a, there's a well and a corral outside the barn, but you, and there's obvious signs of work having been done here, but you don't see any people or animals. Okay. As I, uh, you know, trot up to the house, I'll be calling out people of cradle. The hero of the sky comes to speak to you. Please assemble. Um, silence. Nothing responds. The Raven takes off and it's flying circles around up above but um nobody comes out to see okay uh yeah i'll get up to the door and and you know knock once and kind of push it open a crack to call inside yeah. well so the door's open when oh. you get up there you can see that um, the door's open and only the bottom half is still attached the top half is laying on the floor inside and it looks to have been cleaved apart with a large blade of some sort, large axe. Okay. So you look inside there and this house, um, this is where the, 
the the owners of the land would live and so you're looking into a common you know basically a living area a dining area there's a table there's food set on it um and then there's the section further back along the back of the house where the cooking would be done off to the right would be another room and to the left you imagine would be the like the the owner's bedroom okay but uh so there's food on the table but um no people can i do like a survival check to see how long that food may have been sitting there yeah uh so you know based off of the 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 way that food looks and you good enough to know what happens to you know cooked food at certain periods of time it's been there for about an hour okay and the the chairs are oddly positioned like they're not scooted under the table like they would be before someone comes to sit in them they're all you know pushed out a bit and twisted to the side as they would be if someone stands up from a meal so just kind of taking in the the scene it it kind of looks like they were having dinner and had to leave suddenly everyone kind of got up and left left at the same time yeah it looks like something interrupted them okay um do i see any kind of back exit to this place uh, from from the living area that I'm in? Yeah. So you're like in the kitchen slash dining room and there's a back door there. Okay. I'll I'll check out the back door, uh, trying to see if I can find any sign of people leaving through that way or any violence or anything like that. All right. So you step out there in the backyard and there is a chicken coop back there. And, you know, there's a, a woodshed where where chopped wood has been stocked up. And then you can see the pile there where, where people would chop their wood. And then beyond it, there's the hills. The hills okay. start, you know, about 100 yards away. Uh, do a sur- your survival. All right. Decent. Okay. So you see tracks on the ground out here, and they're not um, properly sized. For one thing, um, they're they're bigger than than elven feet. They're obviously wearing boots, but you can see as you follow them that um, more well. It looks to you, with your expert skills at tracking, that there were three, two of them of a size, and the third one a bit smaller than them, but still uh, with the gait of a woman, but still larger than elven women. And they spent some time at each of the windows along the back of this house before they made their way to the back door. All right. And a little further away in the backyard there, you find the uh, evidence of people being dragged by these same tracks. So whoever these three people or three figures were, they dragged 13 people away. Um, and that is 11 adults and two children. Um, and they, they dragged them to the Northeast towards the Hills and the, the ground about 25 feet away from the back door, uh, goes back to wild ground with grass and rocks and shrubs because this backyard area has been cleared for for work so it's basically just dirt but 
the tracks go in that direction. Um, and when you're looking up in that direction, uh, you spot something on the ground up there uh, behind this stunted tree that's uh, just inside the the wild ground. All right. I'll kind of take a glance at the this guy in the imposing clouds coming and um, rush off to check this last thing before I know that I'm going to have to head back to the town. And then okay. I'm coming to terms with the fact that I may have to abandon these people to their fate. All right. So you go over to that tree and uh, look down at what you'd seen on the ground, and it's a dog, okay. a dead dog. Um, it's had its throat ripped out. All right. Um, yeah, seeing this, I'm I'm going to try and get a a good positioning of where we are and where the tracks, which direction the tracks are headed into the mountain or into those hills, but mm-hmm. then kind of shake my head and, and run back to the unicorn. All right. And then with that, um, well, do one more, do one more survival while you're looking at that dog. Okay. Check him for those tracks. All right. So you can easily spot the tracks. Uh, some of these, um, some of the adults needed to be dragged. Mm-hmm. And the children's um, footprints disappear. Okay. And, you know, as if they've been picked up so to be carried. The size of these tracks, um, we've, we've come across a lot of different sized enemies. Are they like uh, the hill giant, like, uh, what was it, the Mama Yaga uh, size well, tracks or orc tracks or? Yeah, orc or hobgoblin sized. Okay. You know, much bigger than you, but not. But, um, yeah, that that's about right. Okay. And then the other thing you notice with that survival is that the dog's throat's been ripped out, but there's mm-hmm. no, there's nowhere near enough blood on the ground. Hmm. And you, so, you can just tell by the status of its body that it doesn't have much in it, if, if any at all. So it bled out somewhere else is the nearest thing you can figure. Okay. All right. Okay, yeah, I'll head back oh, to the unicorn right. and and oh. one last thing. Sorry, this all this happened. Um, oh, yeah, I already said that that food had been there for over an hour, around an hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I know there's no way I can catch up, even if I wasn't as wounded and fatigued as I am. I don't think I'd be able to do much good for him. So yeah, I'll I'll head back to the unicorn and and say that I'm afraid that this. This group of people may be lost, and I must return to the village to finish preparations against this storm. Could you transport me one last time close to the village? Yes. Now remember your promise to me. I most certainly will, if we survive. All right. Uh, So, yeah, you get on the unicorn one last time, and the earth sort of blurs, and you find yourself um, just inside the tree line looking at um, the path that will lead up to the village. She says, this is as far as I may take you. The forest is my home. I wish you the best of luck. Thank you. And if you ever need assistance, please find a way to reach out to us. I will. Farewell. Farewell. All right. Uh, So, yeah, you're like on the what used to be the grassland, right at the juncture where uh, the path goes down to the beach where all the fishermen go to the docks and then up and in, up into the village. All right. Yeah. I'll 
uh, move as fast as I can back up towards the, the village. All right. Uh, okay, so you're moving there, and then we'll go to Casimir and Graham. Okay. Um, Graham, Casimir, back at the home. What are you guys doing? Well, we're uh, on our way to track down Rohan or Fenrith. Oh, you were going to Fenrith, right? Yeah. Yeah, after our, uh, was it Mudswin or whatever his name is? After he finished eating. Yeah, Mudsway. Mudsway, yeah, so, okay. we go. so we'll be there. Yeah, he finishes eating and then, um, you know, Fulwin comes in and says he f- fell asleep at the table. Shall I get him to a room? No, we're going to have to vacate the manor according to, uh, was it was it Finrith's prophecy? Oh, no, it was... Uh, Yithlani? Yithlani's prophecy. Uh, you as well. We'll all make our way to the the temple of his god. There we should be sheltered from the storm, hopefully. Uh, very well. I'll gather some supplies and I'll bring him along. All right. Um, we'll venture ahead then. If we don't see you by nightfall, I'll come looking for you. <laughs> but I doubt there should be any reason to worry. All right. So uh, he goes about to start making his preparations and you guys... Um... Go to head to the temple grounds. There is, uh, it's getting pretty dark now because of the storm approaching. Um, and it'll be evening very soon as well. Um, so you guys are getting set to go f- join Fenrith. And as you do that and step outside there, you see this flash uh, up in the sky and you look and you can see this green light streaking towards you. And, uh, in a matter of seconds, it becomes evident that there's a person flying towards you. And as they get closer, you can see that it is apparently a very old woman. And she's got a big cat on her lap. And she's riding what appears to be a broom with green light coming from it. And uh, she's even cackling as she uh, approaches. So it looks to you like at her speed and her angle, she's certainly going to crash into the ground, probably right in front of you. But she pulls up on the broom at the last moment and then slowly descends to the ground. Uh, So she's hovering above the ground still. And she looks at you both and says, Hail, heroes, I have uh, had the honor of meeting your brother Rohan, the hero of the sky. And he sent me here said I would be able to find shelter from the storm. We were so this woman the- is just just beyond old. And uh, <laughs> clearly she's got elven features. But whatever effects have, you know, removed the signs of age from others, they haven't had a chance to get to her yet. And uh, <laughs> so it's impossible to tell how old she is, but um, probably as old as you can get, mm. as near as you can figure. And uh, so she's like real hunched and her skin's leathery and, you know, she's not a pleasant sight, but she does have a friendly look on her, on her face and uh, has a friendly tone. Mm. Uh, We have the same. Go for it. Oh, I was just asking if we had the same understanding of who she was that you had described to Rohan, this whispered rumors of an old lady. Yeah. So, yeah, that's what immediately pops to mind when you look at her. Is that okay. that story about the old, old crone that lived out by the swamp, you know? And everybody doesn't didn't think she really exists, but uh, 
here she is. Hmm. Well, um, oh, you're real. <laughs> yes, give Grandma of course. Look. <laughs> as real as you. Uh, of course, uh, ma'am. We were just heading towards the temple now where we're supposed to shelter. Uh, uh, if you want, we can take your bags and escort you. <laughs> oh, that won't be necessary. Thank you. And uh, she says, the temple, huh? Hmm. Apparently. Well, I'm afraid I won't be comfortable in such a place. No, I will not. I will stay here. Very well. Thank I you, gentlemen. Have, uh, have, what's his name? Uh, it's not Hogwin. What is it? Holwin. Uh, Holwin? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, we can have Holwin prepare your room, if you wish, to stay inside the actual house. Mm, no. Thank you. I believe I'll stay right outside where it's comfortable. And uh, she starts cackling again, and that cat um, gives you, like, a mean look. And uh, then she starts, like, slowly floating off over, generally towards where the rocks would be outside, when they're outside. She goes over in that direction. There's a cliff that overlooks the ocean. She says, I think I'll stay over here. Thank you. Do you require any assistance? Uh... Oh, no, don't worry about me. I'll be quite all right. You only worry about the villagers. They'll need you before the night's done. Uh, very well, ma'am. Uh, make yourself at home, then. Uh, please. <laughs> oh, okay. Hey, uh, what, what do you make of this? I'll pull out one of those prophecies and kind of explain the situation to her. Uh, so she looks at it, and, uh, you know, she grabs it from you with her gnarled hands that... Uh, you know, look bigger than they ought to be, and she holds it really close to her face, and she reads it, and she says, hmm, and then she spits on the ground and smells the paper, and then she gives like a hiss, and uh, she glares at you balefully and hands it back to you. It says, no magic, disgusting. <laughs> Keep that just like filthy thing away from me, and if you knew what was good for you, you'd toss that thing into the ocean. Well, and then she back cackles. in my pocket. <laughs> Look at her suspiciously. She's going to put a curse on you. <laughs> Is she a vampire? I think I'll be okay if she's not. It's not that you can tell. I think there are worse things than a vampire. <laughs> but they're my weakness, Casimir. My one weakness. a secret mission. Uh, yeah, so I'll just tuck it back in my pocket um, for now. But I have nothing else to ask her. Okay. Um, all right. So then you guys are heading off towards. Yeah. And uh, that'll take you through the village, um, you know, past the the village town hall. And it's that is around the area where you uh, meet up with Rohan, who you can see approaching mm. from the east uh, coming up that path. And so you guys all see each other there. Is there anyone still in the village that might need help? No. I mean, it doesn't look like anybody needs help. You still see people hustling and bustling and grabbing supplies okay. and, you know, moving along, but nobody that seems like they're in trouble. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll wave to Rohan. Yeah. And I'll start approaching. And... <laughs> I'll wave back and, yeah, run, jog my way up to them. So you succeeded in your task, Rohan? <sighs> Uh, as well as I could, it seems I was a bit too late for one of the outlying farms. Uh, something 
some group of larger creatures, humanoid, seems to have dragged them off into the hills. Hmm. We'll have to put a make note of it and circle back there, perhaps after the the storm has been weathered. Uh, we had an interesting encounter as well. Uh, perhaps Graham will want to tell you on that one, as he was the one who saw it. Uh, Graham, what did you find? Oh, well, we we found a, a human, I guess, or you know, he claimed to a have, human. Yes, he claimed to have been out in the ocean and was caught in a storm such as the one that approaches, and his ship was scuttled, and he uh, arrived here. I don't trust him, though. No, what what about him is has, has drawn your your uh, distrust? I can't put it into words. It's a gut instinct. I agree with Graham on this. His armor is rather odd. Um, his arrival before the storm, but he made no outward signs of hostility towards us. Uh, once he found out that he had been captured, I threw a net on him. So well, I have no reason to believe he should be executed immediately, but <laughs> I definitely agree with Graham. There's Distrust is probably the best course of action. So we left him alone in the hero house, and Fulwin's going to bring him to the, the <laughs> temple. You left him alone? Well, yeah, he fell uh, asleep. Uh, well, if the storm is coming, we should probably bring him to the gathering as well, along oh, yeah, with Fulwin. Yeah, that's what's happening. Okay. Wait a How second. are the rocks doing? I'm, I'm, I've been gone most of the afternoon. Is their situation improved? Was... Mm-hmm. Ben Earth able to, to help them? No. No, no. not at all. Uh, we were able to get them into the uh, stables and close the doors and hope that they are able to weather it there. Mm-hmm. I've actually been thinking that maybe the best course for this is to treat it as if it's a gangrenous wound and uh, hope that Fenris magic is able to heal up after we cut out the infection. But I'll have to talk it over with him. Well, I did come across uh, several pieces of legend from our village while I was out uh, trying to bring the villagers in. One, one of which was the old hag that lived over by the swamp. I, I sent her ahead, and uh, she flew off. Perhaps her knowledge of magic could fill in the gaps where we are lacking. Hmm. Perhaps. She's currently outside the stables, sitting up for her... Uh, her shelter or whatever it is she plans to do. We could go perhaps uh, bother her about it. I wouldn't um, count on it, Rohan. She wasn't very helpful when I asked her about this. And I'll pull up a slip of paper and hand it to him. Where did you find this? You know, I came out of the gnomish machine of transmogrification. So you've been playing with that thing again, have you? Yeah, I recharged a uh, obsidian wand and my ring. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. What else did it do, Graham? (laughs) Mm, Let me think. It added some extra charges to the wand. We're not sure what they do. That's about the long and short of it. Uh, It apparently malfunctioned in some fashion. I think it was a malfunction anyway. And it caused Graham to lose control of his vocal modulation. (laughs) What what do you what exactly do you mean by that? He began to shout uncontrollably, and anything that seemed to be linked to language, such as the ability to sign, he also uh, motioned violently. 
Yeah, it did shoot some sort of force out at me. It made my legs tingle for a little bit, but and my voice. I couldn't stop shouting. That's true. Hmm. But it so there does it spat out to these be... pieces of paper. That's also something that it did. Uh, prophecies of some sort. Uh, for me, it's readable in at least seven languages. Let's see. What have I got? I've got celestial, common, dwarven, elven, goblin, and orc. So, yeah, oh, nice. There's our dwarven. <laughs> yeah. Um. Well, that's that's interesting and strange. Uh, perhaps once we have a little bit more time, we can decipher what they mean. If they mean anything, the it, uh, they... the crones seem to put little stock into no magic. Just like that's blood tooth. <laughs> Unfortunately, Who? there's a lot about this world that we don't know. But anyway, the sun's setting. Best decide yes. what it is we're going to do. Are we going to stay with the crone, or are we going to make it to the temple? Because um, I fear we might not have time for both. I, I believe we should head to the temple. If she believes she's safe here, she seems to understand magic better than I do. Hmm. She was even waiting for me when I arrived, as if she knew I was coming. Hope she doesn't turn the human into a toad. <laughs> All right, let's go. <laughs> All right. So, Brandon, I guess we're heading into town to meet up with Fenrith. Right. So, he's at the temple grounds, you know, and so you guys head there. And um, I'll share the map with you guys so you can see what it looks like here. Okay, there's Rowan and Kevin. Can you see that now? Yes. Yes. All right, so um, you step off the path into this... um, temple grounds here and it's a you know a, a green field with surrounded by trees of different sorts you can see willow trees and oak trees and just in general you know pine trees and things like that and um they create this sort of uh, uh what's the word i'm looking for i don't know but there's this open space here and you can see yeah and you yeah and you can see the temple up there. It's still in under construction, but that's basically what it looks like there. And um, you know, people are starting to gather in the in the central area there at the bottom of those steps and around there. And you can see a lot of people are busy setting up tables and they're setting up, you know, uh, fire pits in a sort of a ring pattern in a smaller section there. Off to uh, the side, you can see, well, actually, he's over here now. So off to the left side, you can see Fenrith standing in front of a tree with his hand placed on it and his head bowed. And uh, you can see Yathlani on the steps, and she's giving directions to people. But she spies you as you step off of the path into uh, into this clearing, and she motions you to come speak to her. Um, let me put her on there. If it's the elven sorcerer's token, then I'll have no choice but to attack it. <laughs> it's on my vindictive kill list. <laughs> <laughs> nope, not that one. <laughs> there you go. So she's standing there, and uh, she motions you forward so you can speak with her. And then... Uh, when you get up to her, she looks over you and she's like, most of the people seem to be here. Ron, did you have any luck gathering the farmers? 
As many of them as were still around, they should be trickling in over the next several hours. Some of them have quite a ways to travel before they reach here. Well, nevertheless, you've done what you could for them. Once again, your heroism will save lives, but the three of you don't look well. You've been wounded and you need rest. Uh, please go inside the temple and get some rest. We'll need you at full strength if my visions come true. Mm. Thank you, uh, Yithlani. Uh, how long, how much longer does Finrith uh, require to prepare for this? We have need to talk to him. Uh, it'll take as long as it takes. Hmm. I think it'll Thank go you. even faster now that Claire Graham has arrived. Ah. <laughs> That's right. I can use one of those special charges. Um, it's an open area, Casimir. It's an open area populated by villagers that haven't been placed on the board. <laughs> I actually won't hey. help uh, consecrate the ground with spontaneous use magic device. <laughs> with the blood hey. of the village? Yeah. Well, he didn't say how they'd be saved. Maybe it was a spiritual saving. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I'll walk past Yithlani into the temple and uh, roll out a bedroll, I guess. Okay. Yeah, I'll follow him up, do the same thing, grab my book of help me pay attention to stuff, start flipping uh, through that. Attention span for dummies. Yeah. <laughs> but it's written in Dwarven. Oh, no. It's all right. You can somehow understand it. Or at least you think you do. You just look at the pictures. I said for dwarves, not halflings. Uh. All right, so you guys go in there, and um, she's got a section of the main floor there where some stuff has been cleared, the tools and the materials has been cleared, so you can uh, lay down there to get some rest. And, you know, when she closes the door, uh, it's surprisingly quiet in here with all the hustle and bustle that was happening out there. Um You'd expect it to be a lot louder, but the materials they're using here block the sound out very well. So it's relatively quiet in this room. And uh, she's got that section where you can lay down to get some rest. I'll quickly collapse in exhaustion into the into a place where I can sleep. Okay. And what about the rest of you? Yeah, I figure I'll probably Graham, doze. How long are you going to read that book? Mm, probably till I pass out. <laughs> Which is pretty quick okay. with Graham given oh, yeah. his uh, track record. <laughs> All right. So then, Fenrith, we'll go to you. So um, do a report and will in the tower, please. Hmm. Okay. So you're working on this tree, and so here's, let's see. Let's set the stage. Night has fallen now, and so it's dark, but the whole clearing is lit from all the fires that people have set the fire pits that people have set up and so there's it's well lit there and you're standing in front of this tree and beyond that is just the blackness um, as the storm is getting closer the weather's getting worse so it's begun to rain it's a very light rain but uh, it is raining and there's a strong breeze blowing in uh, and you're praying over this tree and you're about at your limits you can tell like even the act of standing is getting to be too much. Your, your legs are starting to shake and your stomach is in constant pain from hunger. And uh, all of your wounds are seeming to hurt worse than they did when you received them. Uh, but 
you dig deep and you manage to find the strength to stay upright and continue your prayers. And this uh, apparition's uh, constant pestering of you, you're able to push that away as well. And then, uh, then suddenly you look up and realize that it's gone and has been gone. For You don't know when it left, but it's no longer there. Behind you, you're vaguely aware of people getting things set up, and a lot of people are getting their kids into bedrolls so they can, you know, sleep while the adults continue their preparations. And, um, you know, the clearing is pretty full of people now. And, uh, you know, you can smell people are eating dinner and things like that. But it doesn't demand much of your attention. You're just vaguely aware of it. And then you're praying over this last of the trees that you haven't consecrated yet. And then finally, it flares and you realize that um, whatever it is you're doing has worked now and uh, and your job is done. So that draws your attention to the temple itself where the the large symbol of Coralon flares bright white and uh, the brightness dims a bit after that initial flare, but um, not much. It seems to hold that steady shine to it um, enough that it hurts to look directly at it. And that bathes this whole clearing in daylight, basically. Um, but there you are, and you're done. And you can see Yethalani on the steps up there. She turns and she's looking at it, but she's got a smile on her face when she turns around. As I will return the smile and uh, start heading towards the the steps. Um, I imagine I was pretty caught up with what I was doing, so I, I'm not sure if I would know I I would imagine I don't know that these guys are here so right. I am going to ask if uh, if uh, the other heroes have have made it yeah so she uh, embraces you and she says well done you've done it I knew you would do it um, I think we have a chance now yes your, your, your companions are inside resting they were quite busy today as well I'm sure they'll have much to tell you when they wake up but you need your rest you must Get your rest and pray. The Coralon will strengthen you for the battle that comes. And that's when she tells you that she's had another vision that, uh, and she describes basically what you already saw, you know, that, that the creatures of whatever type will approach and some of them will break through. And that does hers and differ than mine? Well, hers, hers does differ, d- differ in, in one way. And that is that in hers, you are able to successfully defend the the villagers until the storm passes. Hers goes a little further as well because she describes it at a certain point when um, the storm has is almost passed. She describes the an image of the energy of that that storm funneling to the temple itself, this sort of purple vortex hitting the temple itself. And she says at that point, it splits off and and travels across the horizon in the four directions. And, and, then, it, uh, and then suddenly the storm is gone. She doesn't understand what that means, but you didn't have that part of the vision. So I want to take a minute and, uh, and share with her my experience while consecrating the area is that there was a a dark presence um that was always 
uh, hovering over me, weighing me down, trying to to sway me to uh, abandon the consecration. And it kept showing me that same vision, except the uh, the difference is that we didn't succeed, and that I knew that it had to be uh, a false vision. Yes, definitely a false vision. I I believe our vision, my vision, comes from Coralon himself. It has to. I know it. As, uh, that with that though, I will. I'll thank her for uh, seeing to all the preparations here, and uh, agree with her that I I do feel extremely tired, and uh, think a a few hours rest before the work begins again is exactly what I need. All right, so she ushers you inside and uh you can see that spot over on the floor where your companions are all sleeping. Graham has a um he is laying on his back and he's got a a really large book spread over his face. You can see that he was he was reading it and then he fell asleep and the book fell on his face. But he's So uh, I I wanted to like I I imagine I can see that they're still hurt, right? Yeah, everybody has wounds for sure. Is um, would I st- still be able to try and heal? Yeah, I mean, you still have some spell slots left, so definitely. Yeah, so that's what I'm gonna try and do. And seeing, looking at everybody, I think I I would be able to tell that Rohan is probably the worst off. Yeah. So I'll. I'll uh, start with him. Um, how many spell slots would you say I had? I mean, did the did the consecration itself take up spell slots? No. Okay. So uh, they're all together here. Um, can I spontaneously cast mass cure spells since it has that uh, the yeah, cure if, in the descriptor? Yeah, I mean, if you've got the spell slot to to. Um to transfer to it you can so it'd be my seventh level slot okay well, let me target all of them it won't no i said let me target all of them oh, okay and then let's see i think so graham's good uh, i'll probably use uh convert a sixth level for uh mass cure moderate and then probably have to hit Rohan one last time with a single. Okay. So what's that like for us? Because now that we're healed, would we wake up and enter meditation or would it wake us up? Yeah. I mean, um, it. I'd say it would bring you into the reverie mode if you're fully healed. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. And then with that all, Lay down with my one hit point damage and sleep for eight hours. <laughs> okay. Is that really what you're... So, yeah, you guys all feel this warm energy flowing through you, and, uh, you know, it wakes you up enough to look around, and you can see, uh, Graham, you see uh, some white object with little black dots on it right in front of you, and you realize you've got the book on your face, and then you <laughs> move that, and you can see Fenrith standing there, and he's... He's got his head bowed and his hands outstretched and this soft blue glow is emanating from him and washing over you and all of your wounds are being healed. Um, And that, yeah, that brings you into, you know, 
reverie mode, meditation mode instead of sleep mode. Yeah, I'll give him my thanks and then save my place in the book and start the meditation. Is it the first five pages? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> he he read through the the uh, very first page where it yep. starts to describe what the book is about, and that's it. Mm. Thank you, Venrith. Uh, you're welcome. Was, uh, I think tomorrow will be a true test for us. As uh, I'll I'll give them uh, an idea of what that vision was. As uh, probably too exhausted to go into full detail with it, but um, I'm going to keep uh, Yathlani's ending rather than the one that I was shown. Okay. Yeah, so he so, describes this vision to you, and, right. um, you know, it's up to you guys what you think about it, but uh, four hours passes. That's the time in which you do your reverie, right? It's four hours? I believe so, yeah. Okay. All right. Um, well, I guess Graham doesn't have to prepare anything, so uh, yeah. you got Graham, spells go see a part. Are you about to prepare? Yeah, you want me to put stuff in your ring? Yeah, I got four levels open. Okay. Uh, anything particular? Shield or... What were we doing? Blink? Uh, yeah, I was getting Blink and... All right. I, think... I don't know if I have it prepared. You might get Displacement was... instead. Do you yeah, want Darkness on a coin as well? I guess before... Mm. Uh, well, I... Yeah, might that'll as well. tell me if I need to pray for it in the morning. Yeah, might as well. Last you got three powers. levels, you say? Four levels. Four. All right. Uh, well, looks like it's going to be dis displacement and shield, unless you want haste and shield. Uh, displacement and shield will work. All right. Oops. There we go. As uh, I guess the night before, I can also put uh, that inflict. Uh, what is it? Serious back into mine and yours uh, armor as well, Casimir. I'm no. I haven't used it yet. Oh, okay. It's, so just uh, mine. Yeah, but anyway, uh, so I'll while I'm putting these spells in your ring, Graham, check and make sure our guest has arrived. If not, okay. we may have to go fetch him. Thank you. Okay, so Graham, you're going to check on if Mudsway is here? Yes. All right. So yeah, you you step outside and you can see it's dark now, but the whole place, I mean, you it's dark past this clearing that you can see, but the clearing itself is like bright sunlight. And uh, you, you can talk to Yithalani, and she says, yes, he's. I've got him sleeping under one of the wagons over here. And off to the left and right side of the temple itself, there's, you know, all the different wagons are sitting there. That's where they've been parked after they were unloaded. And she says he's sleeping underneath one of them over there. He looked very tired. Okay, thank you. I guess I'll go walk right up to him and look at him suspiciously. <laughs> Yeah, so you do find him sleeping. So curled up in a blanket underneath the wagon, and uh, he's snoring a little bit. He doesn't have his helmet on, so you can see his face. Hmm. Yeah. Anything interesting, you know, poking out of his belt or? Um, not that you can see. All right. Well, I'll leave him to his rest then, and uh, I guess I'll just make sure my family arrived to the shelter here and. Head back to the rest of the guys? Uh, yes, your family 
uh, did arrive, and they've got a little spot set up by one of the fires there. Yeah, I'll just give them a wave from a distance. Okay. Uh, yeah, so they, they return your wave, and uh, you can see your sisters want to come darting over, but your dad catches them and says something to them, and they, they look dejected, but they go back to their bedrolls there. And then, uh, Rowan, you know, it's about eight hours from when you had to, um, predicted the storm would sweep over the village. Let me check. I'm going to hide and move silently. Make sure she can't find you. <laughs> As I also want to cast a zealot pact on myself again um, in the morning, Brandon. As that's a 10-minute one. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, we're like 16. All oh, right. It's just that we were going in human years originally, so we were technically like adults for purposes yes, of adventure. Yes, Rohan, your mother is here. Um, she uh, she looks worried, but uh, but she listens to you and says, "I will." But please be careful. <laughs> you were you were always so dramatic, Rohan. <laughs> now, just go to the top of the tower. I'm. Yeah, they're like, um, they're natural stone that's been carved to that shape, and they're like pillars that are about 20 feet off the ground, so they, you would have a pretty good line of sight from on top of them. I mean, the only thing that would block you then would be the, the tower. The left or the right? How's that? Okay. All right. And what do the rest of you want to do? Uh, preparing spells. Yeah, I'll or, be praying, and then uh, I'll cast that my one uh, zealot pack as uh, check my uh, start strapping on my uh, armor. All right, so um, you guys are making those preparations, and so are all the people. I mean, they're getting ready for their um, their ceremony, their prayer, really. So Yithlani's got them all assembled, and she's walking around talking to him and she's saying, you know, this, you know, we're going to have to dance and no matter how tired you get, you can't stop. And it doesn't matter what dance you do just so long as you mean it. And, you know, given lectures like that. And then she, but she does say, you know, that you must continue no matter how horrible things look, no matter how bad the storm gets and no matter what comes to stop us, you must continue. And you can see, Resolute looks on all the faces of the um, the original inhabitants. A lot of the new ones are just, they look really confused. Like they don't understand what's happening, but they are here nonetheless. So um, that's what looks like going on out there. And then uh, at dawn is when the dance starts. So before then, people are eating, you know, a hurried breakfast and it's a big meal. And, uh, and then they start their dance at dawn and they start, you know, singing a song, uh, to Coralon. And a lot of them, most of them don't know the words. So Yithlani sings it and then they sort of like awkwardly repeat after her, but eventually they get it. And that's, that's the, the way the morning starts here as the sun comes up and, uh, the sun itself coming up doesn't have much of an effect. You can see, um, that the entire sky is darkened by these clouds. And you can see from the trees that the wind is blowing very hard and they shake. Uh, but in this clearing, um, 
everything remains calm. So even when it begins to rain, you can actually see the drops hitting some barrier up above you and sliding down the sides of it. And, you know, there's a calm breeze, but it doesn't matter how hard the wind blows outside. That's all there is inside here. So at uh, around the time when people are eating their meal, Rohan, up on your vantage point there, you're looking out towards the south where the storm is coming from, and you can actually see that lightning has begun striking the ground of the island. And it's that same purple lightning that moves slower than it se than lightning ought to, and, and it uh, stays in place definitely much longer than lightning ought to. But it has the shape and form of it, uh, but you can see it striking. Okay. Um, yeah, so by your estimation as you look over the faces it seems to you like all the people that you had contact with did manage to make it here and uh the and then so casimir fenrith you've got your spells prepared and graham do the three of you want to do anything special or just stand and wait well i'll stand and wait uh maybe by the uh what is that like the southern edge of the barrier okay i'll kind of position myself yeah, I'll think about reading my book some more, but when I see... Uh, like down here? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I'll, I'll go down. Um, yeah, I guess I'll go the, roughly to where Casimir is, just on the opposite side. I guess that is something that I will do. Uh, it's sort of as I'm walking down that way, as I'll scan the crowd for my brothers, um, my younger brothers. But for the most part, I won't wave out to him or call out or anything like that. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Karadir and Elred, um, you find them, and they're with your mother and father, and uh, both of your brothers have uh, like quarterstaffs, and they're participating in this dance and twirling them around. And like you get close enough to over here, like your mother saying, you know, put those down before you take someone's head off, and they argue and say this is the way we dance and uh, she decides not to argue with it and so she lets them so they're twirling these things around and as she predicted they're getting dangerously close quite frequently to smacking somebody's head with them but um, people give them their distance and they seem to be having a great time nah. well good for them <laughs> how drunk does my dad seem to be <laughs> <laughs> this actually is one of the few times you can ever remember seeing him not drunk. Okay. <laughs> I'll be kind so, of taken aback by that. But <laughs> Yeah, whatever uh, has taken place since last time you spoke with them, there's, it's not like there's not opportunity. There's plenty of wine being passed around, like plenty of wine. Yeah, but it he, is a... <laughs> he, he's not, not taking any of it. So Neither I'll figure maybe... Mom. Okay, I'll figure maybe the changes that occur to the village like the random people popping up and the forest growing overnight, maybe it also affected some change on the people other than just growing younger. He thought that it was the drink doing it to him. That's why he quit. <laughs> huh? <laughs> <laughs> Where have all these people come from? I keep drinking like this. I'll turn into a baby. <laughs> Can't fish if okay. you're a baby. So Rohan, you're standing up on that, uh, platform there and you're looking off towards the east and uh 
you know, because of the storm, it's dark outside of this field you're in, but you can see a little bit through the trees. It's difficult because even if it were a bright day, it'd be hard with as thick as the trees are and as big as the trees are here. But you look down, you get a good angle, you can see back through the trees. And you know, looking that direction on the other side of those trees, um, eventually you reach, you know, another cliff that would drop you right on top of the path that leads down to the what used to be the grassland. So there's a good amount of sections of it that are pretty flat ground. And uh, so you're looking back through there and you see, well, do a spot. No, I'll just throw it out. Okay, so you see, I'll give you a description here. You see movement back there in those trees. And uh, actually it happened like lightning struck out there, this purple lightning. And when it was gone um, in its place, you see a 15 foot tall obelisk like pillar of utter blackness, but it's moving. Yeah, it looks something like that. Um, yeah. That's that's what you think it is. But you see this one now back in those trees. And uh, it's got, um, you know, it's it's shaped like an obelisk. Straight, four sides, you know, a point at the top. But it's moving. And as it does, it wobbles a bit all along its length that, you know, that gives away that it's not entirely solid like rock would be. Like parts of it move that shouldn't as it's moving forward towards the edge of this, uh, you know, force field here that you've got. It's moving in that direction. And uh, as you're watching it, you can see uh, something at the base of it, smaller things, separate things, not shaped like that, uh, but also moving in your direction. And the one last thing you see uh, of that obelisk one is that um, it chances by a deer that it gets spooked and tries to dart away and just part of this obelisk shoots out and catches that deer and pulls it into itself and it disappears. So that's what you spot from up there. And you see other smaller forms at the base of it that you can't tell anything about those. It's just that they they are there and they're moving, but you you can't get the general shape of them. Yeah, so he has to do that because it's not, it's too loud here for you guys to talk and hear each other because this song and dance is like really loud in this space and everybody's dancing around. Uh, but you do spot that Rohan is making signs towards you and he's talking about things moving through the trees. And then, Casimir, you do a spot too. All right. Uh <laughs> Yeah, Casimir spot right there. <laughs> yeah, so you go looking around and you don't see anything, but uh, on your side anyways. And then Fenrith and Graham do your spots. Yeah, so I'll sign up all clear, mm. like in in my in front of me, basically. <laughs> Jeez. I think that's the third or fourth three and fourth or maybe fifth five that I've seen. All right, Graham. Yeah. Graham, you see something as you're looking towards the south there. Um, the trees get much smaller and eventually give way to the hard, rocky ground towards the village. Um, but you see figures moving in your direction as well from down that way. And uh, like the one, the one that you can see, you're, 
you're sure you can see all of it anyway is um it's hard to describe it it looks like a bubbling ball s sort of slithering its way to you it reminds you of the the black pudding that you guys had faced in the dwarven right city it's just not cube shaped it's like rounded and it's you know bubbling and oozing towards you but it's as black as you imagine anything can get well i or blood tooth will start mentally swearing <laughs> for the lack of sneak attacks and, but i will also signal that i see movement down here and this one has um eyes little red eyes in the general center of it as it's moving towards you but as it shifts and goes around rocks or over rocks and its shape changes um, you see that it has dozens of small eyes all around it and just one really big one in the mm. basic center of it. Mm. All right. So, yeah, so you um, you sign. So you all see Graham say things are coming from this direction. And then uh, Fenrith, you're looking through those trees. That's where the trees are the thickest is that side of it. And uh, you don't see anything over there. Well, I trust enough in uh, Rohan and Graham's sight to know that there is something coming. Um, in in those visions that uh, I'd been shown, like, was there a point, a certain point that those things had gotten through, or did they come through at multiple points, as I'd meant to ask you that earlier? Yeah, they came through multiple points. Okay, as an all. I mean, some well, of them I even seem to come from above. And just drop down. Was, can I get up to here before? Oh, yeah. Because I want to be closer to those guys in case they need some assistance. And uh, I will give a warning that uh, that this is not going to be the only front in this battle. All right. So, yeah. So, you get down to there. And you can, um, at this point, you and Casimir can both see the one Graham was talking about. And uh, the ground sort of slopes a little bit. Enough that um, the ones beyond it were blocked at first, but now you can start to make out the, the tops of them as they move closer. So, you know, that at least three are coming from that direction. Um, but inside the circle, the dance and the prayer continues and the sigil of Coralon continues to flare brightly. Uh, but rain has now come in earnest and it's pouring down on this dome and it, it's sliding down it it's not getting through the dome but it's at the point where when you look up you 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 were able to see past it you know into the dark sky but now all you see is water flowing down along the sides of it from the top but uh so it's raining very heavily out there and then the trees are starting to really uh shake from the wind yeah, but, so in, in addition to watching Ford, I do want to keep try and keep an eye on Rohan as well. So watch out for any hand signals. Okay. All right. Um, yeah. So he's easy to see up there on that platform. So, but that's where we're All gonna right. have to stop for today. <laughs> okay. Dang. Right. Thank you, Brandon. We'll have to pick yeah, this thanks, up next man. time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> next time the end of the world happened. Yeah. 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 Next time, uh, you all die. Oh, one way thank or another. You. This has been a Death Watch production. Thank you for listening. Mm -hmm.